listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Opera Ficklet by Slippin' Mickeys on AO3. Chapter 1. It wasn't fair to the other women present, he thought. Not really. Every eye in the place drifted over her form at least once. Most in admiration, some in jealousy. Some, Halder included, in impotent desire. Her dress was black and backless, the pandaric curve of her waist dipping into sumptuous velvet. Why they'd been chosen to be the inside eyes of this operation was either a misstep by the higher-ups at the bureau or some SAC somewhere just wanted to see Scully in that dress. Either way, the figure she cut was anything but subtle. Mulder tugged at the collar of his tuxedo and spoke into the comm mic at his wrist. Position two, clear. Hold two, he heard through his earpiece. Mulder pressed himself closer to the wall opposite the glass entryway of the Kennedy Center his eyes scanning the district elite who milled about the lobby in their finery, hoidily discussing the opera they were about to see. He watched as Scully drifted past the roughly carved bust of the center's namesake toward the other end of the lobby, the red on the base of her heels blending with the plush carpeting. She dipped her head slightly toward her chest, and a moment later, her voice came over the comm. Position one, she said, her voice clipped and professional. I have a possible sighting of the target, east entrance. Copy that one. See if you can confirm. Scully said nothing, but pivoted a bit so that she was walking toward the east entrance, the slit on the side of her dress offering fleeting glimpses of the creamy expanse of her leg. Mulder knew that she had a car CW380 strapped to the inside of her thigh, and something about that knowledge was so Bond girlish that he momentarily forgot that he was also supposed to be on the lookout for the target. He shook his head to clear it. Batting a rolled-up program against his thigh, Mulder focused on the people walking in near his partner and saw the dark head of a tuxedoed man slip into the lobby and make his way right past Scully, who paused and waited for him to pass. Position one, she said over the comm. Confirm, I have eyes on the target. Repeat, I have eyes. He's making his way into the auditorium. Position one, came the ASAC's voice. Follow him. Position two, stay in the lobby. Keep eyes on the entrance. We need to know who his contact is. Copy, Mulder said into his mic. The lobby lights dimmed and then brightened, and the gathered Hopemon began filing into the performance space leaving Mulder in the quieting foyer with a handful of ticket-takers and the bartenders set up in the middle of the lofty hall. One or two stragglers rushed in, and Mulder looked at his watch as though anxious for his date to arrive, feeling the eyes of a concerned usher who was looking at him expectantly. Thirty minutes later found him standing in the same spot. The muffled strains of Puccini leaked through the closeted doors of the opera hall. Feeling antsy and getting stiff, he pushed off the wall and made for the opposite end of the lobby, strolling toward the restroom. 
It would be a long night if their target were here for the opera and not, as the FBI suspected, to meet with his terrorist contact. Mulder turned out of the grand foyer and toward the Hall of Nations, the crepey flags hanging limply above the space. There was one other person at the end of the hall coming toward him. The man's hair a dark, curly mop, though his face was hard to make out with the backlighting. He nodded at Mulder as he passed, and Mulder's spidey sense kicked in. Position two, he said at a low murmur once the man was a ways past. Go position two. Possible contact heading for the grand foyer from the Hall of Nations. Follow discreetly, position two. Copy. Mulder turned back toward the direction the other man had gone and began walking when the comm unit crackled in his ear. Target is on the move, came Scully's harsh whisper, a soaring area overlaying her words. I'm in pursuit. Careful one, said the ASAC, his voice tense. Do not get made. We need them to meet before we can make an arrest. Mulder turned into the grand foyer and could see the dark head of the possible contact making his way toward the bar in the middle of the long hall, when the door to the performance space opened suddenly next to him, a swell of music pushing into the hall, and the target stepped out, a look of surprise on his face to see Mulder standing there. Excuse me, Mulder said, taking a step back, and the man grunted and stepped around him. Before the door had a chance to close, Scully was silhouetted against it, looking equally startled to see her partner. The target, several paces away, turned to see who had followed him, and his eyes narrowed in suspicion at Scully. Mulder had to act fast. There you are, Mulder said, smiling at Scully and glancing at the target who was still watching them, looking jumpy. I thought I missed you. I'm sorry, honey, Scully said, glomming onto Mulder's act. I had my ringer off. She lifted up onto her toes and pressed a soft kiss into his cheek. The target turned slowly away and began making his way to the bar where the dark-haired possible contact stood, holding a small rock's glass of amber liquid. Is that him? Scully said under her breath, reaching out and grabbing Mulder's hand. He squeezed an affirmative. They couldn't alert the team outside the center that the meeting was about to go down without giving themselves away. They were the only people in the lobby aside from the two suspects and a handful of workers, and the space itself was utterly quiet aside from the high strains of Tosca. The target approached the bar but made no move to talk to the dark-haired man and Mulder and Scully pulled up so as to not get too close. The dark-haired man glanced in their direction. We're going to get made, Scully whispered, and Mulder couldn't help but agree. So he did the only thing he could think to do to cover for them, and shoved Scully, not entirely ungently, against the lobby wall next to them, grabbed her face in his hands, and kissed her for all he was worth. She gave a brief inhale of surprise before going along with the act, threading her hands into his hair and kissing him back. Her tongue darted into his mouth, the briefest tease, and his own followed hers in pursuit, his blood thrumming in his ears. He pulled back slightly after a moment, breathing hard, his body close to hers, his hands on the curve of her waist. Jesus Christ, it was a show for the sake of two suspects, but he felt like he might combust. 
Can you see them? He asked her in a low mumble, trying to stay on task, and then leaned in to press his lips into her neck on the other side so that she could inconspicuously look over at the bar. Mm, she said, and Mulder reveled in the breathy way she said it. They're still at the bar. No contact yet. Target is eyeballing us. Are we made? He moved his hands from her waist around to the bare skin of her back. God, it felt like hot satin. Not yet, she whispered, and ran her hand under his jacket, pulling him even closer so that the entire length of her was pressing into the entire length of him. He could feel her hand edging closer to where his weapon was holstered. Mulder ran his nose slowly from her neck to the curve of her shoulder, inhaling her bright scent. Unable to help himself, he darted out his tongue to taste her and felt her breath hitch. She turned until her cheek was brushing the rough shadow of his jaw and whispered in his ear, It's about to go down. He could hear the wet click of her tongue touching her palate on every syllable, and despite the insecurity of their situation, blood rushed to his groin. My weapon, she went on, hitching her leg up toward his hip, is on the inside of my thigh. I'll draw yours. You draw mine. He nodded mutely and reached down to grab her thigh where it emerged from the slit of her dress and pressed into the outside of his leg, her skin practically scorching his hand. On three, she said, and he leaned down for one more stolen taste of her skin, the last chance he might ever have. One, she said, and he darted out his tongue to taste her shoulder. Two, she said, and he felt her deft fingers unsnap his gun from its holster. Three, she husked into his ear, and he reached under her skirt and grabbed the tiny pistol secured there, the taste of her still on his tongue. They whirled around as a single, armed entity. Federal agents, freeze! Chapter Two The bartenders immediately ducked behind the bar, and their two suspects froze where they were, shocked expressions on their faces. Adrenaline shocked the low, liquid ache that had settled from in between her hips in a fizzing rush that rocketed from her chest and out to where her arm extended her authoritative intent. On the ground. On the ground, Mulder shouted from beside her. The ridiculous little three eighty barely registered in his large hands, but his Glock, which Scully was holding, was plenty of weapon. Both men's eyes locked on it. On the ground, now, she yelled, and the two men slowly raised their hands up, the dark-haired contact sinking to his knees and then lowering himself onto his stomach. The other man, the target she'd followed into the opera, made no move to lower himself, and Scully could see him tense like he was contemplating making a run for it. Get down! Get down! Mulder shouted as they approached, and the man finally partially capitulated, getting on his knees. Through her earpiece, Scully could hear the Bureau strike team mustering. They would have backup in less than a minute. As they got to the two suspects, Scully put the sharp heel of her Louis Vuitton in the spine of the man laying down 
and moved her gun onto the target, whose arms were behind his head, but whose face was contorting into a mask of rage. Mulder moved behind him and lowered his weapon, pulling out a pair of cuffs. He had just snapped one onto the man's wrist when the strike team came barreling through every entrance of the hall, swarming onto the scene in tactical gear and bristling with automatic weaponry. The target seized the momentary distraction and flipped around, slashing at Mulder with a knife Scully hadn't even seen. Mulder grunted and staggered back, and Scully kicked out with her leg, catching the man's wrist. The knife clattered away, and she had him on his stomach before he could register what had happened, pulling his arm back behind him with far more force than necessary, just as the strike team descended on them, shouting orders to the two suspects. Scully, still crouched on the man's back in her ridiculous velvet dress, grabbed at the wobbling, loose handcuff and ground it roughly onto the target's other wrist, making sure it was uncomfortable as she leaned down near his face. You made me miss Tosca, she said, giving the cuffs an extra, unnecessary click. I love Tosca. With that, she stood leaving the two suspects into the care of the tactical team and turned to find Mulder, who was standing back several yards away, his tuxedo jacket removed, holding his left arm up with his right, a bright slash of blood soaking the sleeve of his downy white shirt. He winced at her as she approached. You okay? she asked. Just a flesh wound, he said, but his voice was tight. Hmm, she said, moving behind him to re-secure his weapon to his back. Let me see. He handed over her little pistol, which she discreetly hid back under her skirts, and held out his arm to her. Blood oozed along the ragged slash, and she grimaced, folding his other hand back over the wound and raising his injured arm above his heart. Her breathing had started to re-regulate, but she felt a kind of electricity skittering along her nerves that had started when Mulder had pressed her into the wall of the lobby and kissed her cross-eyed. She had long wondered what his lips would feel like under her own, but had not expected the full-body thrill that came along with them. Nice work, you two, said a voice from behind them, and Scully turned to see their SAC approaching, a walkie in his hand. The scene inside was controlled, but was about to become chaos. There were looky-loos emerging from the auditorium, and it sounded like the performance had stopped. Scully wanted to get out of there before it got any worse. She was feeling antsy and disturbed in more ways than one. Mulder's going to need a medic, sir, she said. The SAC gave Mulder a brief once-over and turned. Roberts, he barked. I need someone to bag that knife. He turned back to them. We've got a bus outside, he said, and nodded toward the doors. We've got it from here. Mulder looped his tuxedo jacket over his good arm and Scully followed him outside where an ambulance had pulled up. Mulder flashed a badge as they approached, then tucked it into a back pocket. Christ, he looked good in a tux. What have we got? said one of the EMTs as he jumped out of the rig. Laceration to the forearm, Scully said, nodding toward Mulder. Any other injuries inside? the man asked opening up the back of the ambulance. Some in total, Scully said, and then shivered. The evening was turning chilly, and she was showing more skin than she wasn't. 
her nerves already tightly strung. Easy night, the EMT said happily and looked to Mulder. Have a seat, sir. Mulder nodded to the young man but turned to Scully first, shaking out his jacket with one hand and holding it up for her to slip on. She hesitated a moment but accepted the offer, grateful for the warmth even though she was swimming in it. Her hands didn't exactly... Her hands didn't extend out of the sleeves and she felt like a child wearing it. But the DC night was cold and getting colder and she was wearing an absolutely ridiculous dress, the only one in her size that the Bureau had, since they wouldn't let her wear something of her own. She pulled out her earpiece and mic and held out her hands for molders, which he handed over as the EMT pulled out equipment and assessed his arm. He gotcha, huh? The kid said, and Mulder grunted wordlessly. The medic slipped on nitrile gloves and cleaned some of the blood. He leaned back after a moment, still holding Mulder's arm gingerly. I can patch this up, he said, sighing, but you're going to need stitches, sir. Scully watched as Mulder's eyes slowly closed, and he sighed, resigning himself to an uncomfortable evening spent in the ER. I'll do it, she said after a moment, uncrossing her arms, fingering the slit in the coat through which Mulder had been cut. The kid looked up at her. Butterfly it, and I'll do the rest, she instructed him. The SAC cut us loose, she told Mulder. Come home with me, and I'll get you fixed up. Mulder looked at her gratefully, and she felt an odd tingling feeling zip along the skin at her neck. He followed her through the door to her apartment and closed it behind himself, throwing the lock. His injury twinged as he did so, and he sucked in a quick breath. Scully turned to look at him, still sheathed in his tuxedo jacket, which highlighted her diminutive size. When she shoved it off and laid it carefully over the back of one of her dining room chairs, he once again got an eyeful of the dress she was wearing, and whatever pain he was in was instantly forgotten. Have a seat, she said, pulling out one of the chairs. When she walked to her closet and bent down to grab her medical bag, he could see the colorful arc of the serpent just disappearing into the fabric that only just covered her lower back. The first time he'd ever gotten a glimpse of the tattoo she'd gotten in Philly. The red of the ergot flashed brightly, and it felt like the collar of his shirt was suddenly too tight. Mulder, she said, and he shook himself and sat down in the preferred chair, reaching up to undo the bow tie he was still wearing. She sat down the bag on the tabletop, as he undid the top button of his shirt and an uncomfortable look crossed her face. One sec, she said, pulling out the chair next to him. I'm going to... With that, she swung her heel-clad foot onto the seat of the chair, which exposed nearly the entire length of her leg through the slit of the skirt, and reached up into it to undo the thigh holster where she secured a little car. She deposited it unceremoniously onto the table in front of them and lowered herself into the chair. Mulder undid one more button. I'm sorry you had to wield that stupid little thing, she said, unzipping her kit. It's sexier when you hold it, I admit, he said. She chuffed a quiet laugh. 
I'm going to give you a local, she said, unwrapping a syringe. Mulder set his arm on the table in front of her, and he watched as she got to work, keeping his mouth shut as she poked him a few times with the anesthetic. How does it feel? she asked him, dropping the syringe into a little sharps container. Just bad enough that I think my doctor should tell Skinner that I need a few paid days off. She grinned as she prepared her suturing needle. That can probably be arranged. Mulder wasn't really squeamish around needles, but he also didn't need to watch one as it pierced his tender flesh. So while Scully worked, he studied the bare curve of her shoulder, remembering the delicate papery way it felt under his tongue. Then the whole ruse played through the projector of his mind, and he relived every detail in high definition. Hey, Scully, he finally said, his eyes drifting to her face. Yeah, she said, but didn't look up, her focus on the needle in her fingers. At the opera? That was pretty hot. She glanced up at that, but only briefly, a quick flick of the eyes. Mulder felt an immense relief when her mouth crept up into a small, begrudging smile. It was quick thinking on your part, she said, tying off her suture, before cutting the little silk thread. Well, I'm a pretty quick guy, he said, unable to take his eyes off her face. I'm going to wrap this up so the sutures don't get caught on anything, she said, starting to wind a clean white bandage around his arm her blue gaze focused on the task in front of her. I'm sorry if it made you uncomfortable. It didn't, she said quickly. So quickly, in fact, that it made his breath catch in his throat. Was she admitting that she actually liked what they'd done? She finished securing the bandage and held his arm gently in between her hands. It didn't? His voice sounded rough even to his own ears. It was pretty hot, Mulder she said. Chapter 3 He swallowed audibly, cleared his throat. She released her light grip on his arm, and he pulled back, the chair underneath him creaking as he shifted his weight. I, uh, heard you reaming out our suspect as you were cuffing him for making you miss the rest of the show. She leaned back herself, shrugged, the warm glow of her kitchen lights making the fabric of her dress ripple like the dark skin of a sulky. What can I say? I like Puccini. She was being playful and impish, and Mulder fought off a small swell of temerity. One he would be forced once again to ignore, a voice from within telling him he could shoot a shot. He considered how her profile might look against the rich red walls of the opera house how the light from the Lobmeyer chandelier would glow when it kissed her skin. If you want to hold on to that dress, I think I can get us tickets to go back. Actually enjoy the show this time. She raised an eyebrow. It's been sold out for months. Mulder shrugged, the skin under his collar growing warm. I know a guy. He wouldn't be partial to sheepskin vests and vintage porn, would he? Are you casting aspersions? Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. They sat, looking at each other, the tension crackling. Let's say I keep the dress, she said, the cadence of her voice a little husky. Your tuxedo is ruined. 
You in that dress, Scully? No one is going to be looking at me. She licked her lips thoughtfully. I would be. He was 100% certain that Scully was actually honest God coming onto him, and if it had been any other woman, he would have bent her over the kitchen table with her skirts hiked up around her hips by now. But this was Scully, and he was so afraid of fucking up their partnership, of somehow losing her, he was so goddamn in love with her, that instead he rose up from the chair and said, I should go. She wasn't even sure why she was doing it. Usually it felt good to be taken seriously, but Mulder always took her seriously, so tonight it felt good to simply be wanted. And she could tell he wanted her. He couldn't stop looking at her bared skin, and his pupils were dilated, and she was riding this wave of aggressive flirtation that didn't wash up on the shore to fizzle out, but rather kept building and building under her, like some kind of tidal bore. He stood to leave, and she knew that it had probably run its course. It honestly had been kind of fun while it lasted. But it was always going to end. More than half a decade of virtuous resistance on both their parts was a hard habit to break. And so, just to amuse herself, and because Mulder was so rarely flustered, she said, Before you go, I need help. He turned to her. With the zipper. She saw him dry swallow and rose from her chair, letting her hips sway in the couple of steps it took to stand before him. He reached up and ran a hand along his sandpapery cheek, and the sound went right to her nipples, which hardened into tight little buds beneath the velvet of her dress. The moment took on a verging, precipitous feeling, like they were in a barrel at the edge of the falls. She turned so that her back was to him, and he reached out with his finger and slowly skimmed it from her neck all of the way down along the skin of her spine, right where a zipper would be, until he reached the velvet hem just above her ass. And holy Christ. I don't see a zipper back here, Scully, he husked. It stopped being amusing. Something between them had been slowly brewing for years, a ripe, heavy fruit, that had fermented into something intoxicating and unctuous. There was a dipsomaniacal urge to finally put it to her tongue and lose herself to the bacchanal. Like a switch flicked, the kittenish impulse within her unsheathed its claws. She turned her head so that she could just see him in her periphery. Imagine that, she said, knowing there was only so much a man could take. She felt his hand span the plane of her lower back until his fingers slowly worked their way under the rumpled hem at her waist, flexing once against her skin possessively. Scully, he said, his voice barely a whisper. She whirled around to face him, but when their eyes caught, time slowed, the years of their relationship coalescing to a single fixed point which hung in the air between them, an event horizon. Scully crossed the Rubicon. She stepped out of her shoes, never breaking eye contact, taking his hand, pulling him along behind her into her bedroom. He followed obediently, silently, stopping at the foot of her bed, his hand warm and heavy in her own. Sit, she commanded, 
and he lowered himself to the edge of the bed wordlessly, towing off his dress shoes and watching her face closely. She stepped into him, right in between his knees, bringing his face more level with hers, giving her, for once, the slight advantage of height. There was a sense of power and control that came with it that eased any lingering disquiet. He moved his hands to rest gently on her hips, but made no move to advance any further. But his breathing quickened ever so slightly. She reached out and pulled slowly at the short tie around his neck, the slippery fabric slithering through his collar like a snake in the grass. She dropped it to the floor, moving with lazy deliberateness. Skull, he started to say, but she reached forward and put her fingers to his lips, letting them linger there on a hedonistic impulse, that sumptuous pillowy curve and, oh God, they were just as soft and pliant as she'd always dreamt they would be, the warmth of his breath puffing into her skin. She'd tasted them once, at the opera, but that was an act, for show, half her attention on the movements of their suspects. Mulder's mouth deserved focus, care, a scientist's attention to detail. Mulder looked at her reverently, expectantly, and she let herself tip forward, the north-seeking poles of the atoms that made her up seeking the southern pole of his mouth, seven years of a magnetic pole finally, finally locking together. And God, it was everything. An involuntary moan escaped from his throat, and she tilted her head slightly to the side to get as close to him as possible, threading her fingers through the lush fleece of his hair. As soon as she pressed her tongue to the seam of his lips, his arm came around her fiercely, pulling her to him tight, crushing her breast to his chest as the kiss took on a fervor, a sloppy, breathy education on how to be together like this. She reached down and hiked the skirts of her dress up so that she could climb onto his lap without having to remove her mouth from his, a move which he seemed to approve of as he slid his arms to her hips and rocked his body up into hers so that she could feel the hard ridge of his erection through the thin material of his pants. Suddenly, it felt absolutely essential that she have as much contact with his skin as possible, so she reached down and pulled his shirt from the waist of his pants and fumbled with the buttons as he finally pulled his mouth from hers to run his tongue along the length of her jaw to her neck, lapping at her like she were ice cream, melting in the sun. She was still working on his buttons, her fingers clumsy with lust when he moved his own hands to her breasts, cupping them reverently, thumbing her nipples through the feathery material of her dress, making it even harder to undress him, and getting in her way. Despite the fact that it sent shots of pleasure shooting to her groin, she slapped his hands away, and she heard him laugh into her neck, and then bite the skin of her shoulder. Tit for tat. She inhaled sharply, and pulled back, and then they took a moment to look at each other, breathy and spit-soaked and giddy with want. He didn't look away, but reached down and unfastened the last few buttons of his shirt, pulling it over his shoulders and dropping it lightly to the floor, the tanned expanse of his skin broken only by the white slash of the bandage that encircled his arm. Scully reached out and ran her fingers lightly through the springy hairs over his heart, 
and then pulled one of his hands back to her breast, leaning forward to kiss him again, this time with intent and purpose, her scientific mind setting out to methodologically study this ripe new discovery. Mulder kept one hand on the swell of her breast and moved the other to her thigh, up and under the slit of her dress, sliding his hot, dry hand to the curve of her ass. After a moment, he gave a curious inhale and pulled back. Are you not? he asked, his eyes full of puzzled wonder, and she took his meaning. I'm wearing a thong, she said. No lines. He licked his lips. I believe I'd like to see that. Mm, she hummed, and she would undress for him, but not before she got to explore him a little more. She reached for his fly, unzipping it before slipping her hand into the front of his boxers. His skin was white hot and her hand was a little cold, and his breath left him in a whoosh when she gripped him. Leaning back a little on the bed and thrusting up into her hand, she smiled, feeling devilish, and pulled down the fabric to free him from the confines of his clothing. He was thick and heavy in her hand, the skin of his cock as soft as steam, and she gave him a long, slow pull, delighted in his hissing intake of breath. She released him for a moment and licked her palm before grabbing him again, watching his face as he harshed a quiet, after a moment, he bared his teeth, and then his hand shot out and grabbed her wrist hard, yanking her hand away. A frisson of excitement shot through her. Lose the dress. She leaned back, moved obediently off of his lap to stand in front of him. He kicked off the last of his clothes and watched her, still sitting on the end of the bed, his lap shadowy a dark patch of hair, and his heavy, purplish cock. Reaching up with teasing slowness, she pulled one strap off her shoulder, and then the other, and her dress slithered to the floor in a soft rumple, landing half on the white bloom of his shucked tuxedo shirt. Scully stood before him, wearing only thong panties, black, the triangle of silk, only just covering a bright thatch of pubic hair. Her stomach was lean, her breasts heavy cups of flesh tipped with pert pink nipples. Her hair was still up, her mascara was smudged, her lipstick had been licked off. Mulder felt as though he were sitting before a deity. Did she know what she did to him? Probably. Dana Scully did nothing without purpose. He dropped to his knees before her, pious. Christ, Scully, he said, and she reached down to run her fingernails through his scalp. He leaned forward, ran his nose over the skin below her navel, and took a deep pull, almost swaying, drunk on her musky scent. He pulled back to look up at her and curled his fingers through the lacy scrap of her panties and pulled down. She stepped out of them with quiet dignity and before she could lower her leg back fully to the floor, he caught it with his hand and draped her knee over his shoulder. Will you let me? he asked, and she hadn't even finished the downward motion of a nod when he sectioned her labia with his thumbs 
and pressed the flat of his tongue to her ambrosial heat. He licked until the tip of his tongue was pressed to her clit, spear-like, as though he were pitting a cherry. The fingernails in his hair dug into his scalp and her knees half-buckled. He smiled into the warm funk of her cunt. He'd crossed horizons to find her, had crossed continents to save her. Now that he knew her taste, he'd crossed the river Styx to love her. Balanced on one leg, her knees weak with desire, she named each of the miasma of hormones running roughshed through her veins like a bloom of algae, all so she didn't collapse to the floor under the slurping, talented attention of Mulder's plush mouth. She flexed the foot hanging over his shoulder into the pliant skin of his back just to keep her balance. Finally, she had to pull his head back by his hair to get him to stop and he tilted his head up to look at her drunkenly, his chin a liquidy sheen in the lamplight. Let's move to the bed, she said, surprised by how breathy and feminine her voice sounded. Mulder shook his head. Want to make you come, he said, and pitched forward again. Christ, you will, she said, and had to yank again on his hair, hard. He looked back up at her. Together. She went on, I want to, together. That seemed to finally convince him, and he stood, his knees popping and backed up, holding her hand and pulling her along until his legs met the bed again, and he sank down on it, scooting back until the length of him, a whole fathom, lay prone on her neutral-toned duvet. She climbed on top of him, happy to once again be in control. His skin was like hot wax on the insides of her thighs as she straddled him, the sparse hair on his legs a bristly scrape. She leaned down and tasted herself on his lips, a sweet oceanic brine, and she could feel his erection bob up until it came into contact with the crack of her ass. She hooked a thumb in his mouth even as she kissed him and slid her hips down as far as she could. He gave her thumb a light bite, a crimp of pressure from the ridge of his molars, and her entire being focused on the sensation. She felt suddenly empty, the need to be filled overwhelming. She shifted her hips and rubbed herself along the length of him, her center slippery with wanting. She thought she could feel every throbbing vein of him, and when the lips of her mons finally slid over the dark spongy head of his cock and enveloped him, they both gasped. All she had to do then was rock back. Oddly, the first thing she felt was gratitude, a desire to keen her thanks to the heavens above. And then Mulder grabbed her backside and snapped his hips once, and the next thing she felt was a fullness so complete that it was as if she would never be hungry again. Not for food, not for water, not for air. Mulder crooned something she couldn't make out, and she rocked into him, a slow rotation of her hips. She watched his face closely, her hands pressed to his chest, and saw at the moment she had driven him absolutely mad. He surged up as though she weighed nothing at all, and flipped her onto her back on the mattress, sliding into her again with a single, rough thrust. He made some kind of animalistic sound and then peppered her face with kisses, her neck, 
any part of skin he could reach. He rocked into her for eons, until they were both slick with sweat, anointed with saliva and her nectar-like musky slip. They flew over fields and oceans together, through the firmament, over the Potomac, and up against the rumpled sheets of her Georgetown second-floor walk-up. Someone made a U-turn on the street outside her window, and a roll of headlights panned over Mulder above her, the light catching on his skin and highlighting the curves of his musculature and shadow. Scully tilted her head back against the pillow and locked her ankles behind his back, pulling him as close as she could. Scully thought of the operas of Puccini. Making love with Mulder made her understand all the vital elements of the libretto. Torn between feeling and duty, the things that sat between them, forbidden love, infidelity, revenge, craving for power, war, ancient myths, it was all there. Mulder licked his thumb and reached between them, rolling it over the slick nub of her clit, and she rocketed up to a higher plane of existence. Sex had never felt like this before. Mulder and Scully made each other better, in the field, in the office, in their day-to-day lives. That they could make each other better in the bedroom was a shocking realization, and Scully tried not to think about the years they wasted magnanimously denying this thing between them, whatever it was. She could feel an orgasm coming, like a rumbling freight train in the distance. Mulder's thrusts were becoming more erratic, more hurried, and she knew they could both get there if she could just... She lifted her head up just a little and brought her lips to his ear, licking the tender lobe once. He sucked in a breath. Say my name, she husked. Dana, he panted. Say my name. Scully. That was it. She was gone. Her toes curled into tight fists over the skin of his back, and Mulder made a strangled noise and surged up into her, pumping chaotically. She soared, eyes clamped closed, a supernova behind her retinas. When she came back to herself, Mulder was slumped over her, breathing hard. She was sore, sticky, and felt more like herself than she had in years. He groaned once and rolled off of her, standing woozily. He padded to her bathroom and came back a second later with a hand towel, which he pressed gently to her aching center. When she risked a glance at him, he was looking at her with such tenderness she had to look away. She took over the hand towel ablutions and then reached out and ran a hand up and down his arm. You okay? He asked and she hummed an affirmative, her body riding an edge somewhere between euphoria and turpidity. She licked her lips and turned away from him, but threw the covers back, inviting him to spoon up behind her. He wasted no time, and the mattress dipped sharply, and then he was there behind her, a solid mass of warmth. He wrapped an arm snugly around her waist. She felt herself beginning to drift off. Hey, Mulder, she said, her words a little slurry. Yeah, his voice was hopeful, trepidatious. She turned her head so she could look him in the eye. 
Get the tickets. He smiled. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.